0: And the uh, Bible reading for this morning is from 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 35 to 58, uh, following on from uh, the the body analogy and issues of, of life and death. So from verse 35, But somebody will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body just as he is determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly body is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. The stars differ from stars in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the heavenly man, so are those of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting?'
1: I try to, amen. Amen to that, Alan. Uh, isn't that a great? I'll give you an opportunity to say amen uh, later uh, as we look at this passage. But uh, any dads out there, put your hand up if you're a dad. Okay, I'm on one to Give it up for the dads. <clears throat> Next level. Any granddads out there? Granddads. Hey, give it up for the granddads. Okay. Next level, this is where I drop out. Any great granddads out there? Three. You. Okay, let's go to the next. No, no, there's no, there's no great, great granddads. No? Okay, but good on you, the great, grand, great, great, anyway. All right. Great to be here together. Happy Father's Day. Um, I asked the dads of our church what makes for a good Father's Day, uh, and here's the scoop uh, on that. So the, the bigger the word, the bigger the word, the more insignificant it was, right? So no stress. Socks, undies. Poor dads of our church are just bereft of socks and undies. <laughs> uh, a loving, thoughtful card. Uh, that's a low bar, isn't it? But anyway, uh, brekkie and lunch, coming to church together. Time with family was the overwhelming thing, right? So if you failed up to this point, kids... Just spend time with your dad today, and that'll, uh, that'll go a long way to making his father say. Um, I also asked the dads what legacy do you want to leave to your children? And that is, what do you want to pass on to your kids uh, so that, you know, that will be a lasting kind of impact? What difference do you want to make in their lives? So have a look at the next word bubble. So again, the smaller writing was less commonly said, but, you know, we want to pass on a sense of humour, our sporting prowess or, you know, a love of sport, a good work ethic, education. But look at all the, the love words, love of family, love of others, love of church, love of life, and the big standout, I want my kids to love Jesus. And I said to the, uh, the dads of our church, "If you had to choose one, which would it be?" <clears throat> so they could choose a few the first time, and that represents that. But I said, "If you had to choose one," and almost like three, three out of the four guys out of that whole list said, "I want them to. I want my kids to love Jesus." Uh, that is the standout thing we want for our kids. Uh, and so that, so that we're talking about a legacy. What do we want to pass on to our kids now? All right, speaking of legacy, does anyone recognize this intersection? Have a look, have a word to the person next to you. Do you recognize this intersection? It may take a little bit of imagination. Put your hand up when you recognize it. Yeah, Nathan, what do you got? It's the Mingara roundabout. Right, so so there's macca's. It's it's where you turn to go to Mingara or Tumbi Fruit and Veg, the meat market. Right, so we got it. That's the intersection. Now, what do you notice in the intersection? It's a round. It's a roundabout. Right. See the, the intersection at round at Mingara used to be a roundabout. It was exciting, an adventure. Uh, every time you would take your life in your own hands and you drift onto that big roundabout, now the intersection now looks like this. Boring, right? <laughs> Orderly, traffic lights. Oh, they're going to tell us when we can go and when we can't. Uh, but I know you run the red and the, the the orange anyway. But no, no but anyway, um, here's the thing. Thirty years ago, thirty years ago takes me to my former life. I was an engineer in Sydney. Wyong Shire asked me to help them design roundabouts on Wyong Road. (laughs) True, true. I didn't come up with the idea. They just said, Dave, can you help us execute this great plan? So let me show you some of the beauties. There they are. Right? You might recognise some of those those roundabouts. Uh, So my job was to help... Now there's only so much you can do with a roundabout, you know, you get the compass out and hand- but anyway, that was part of my job. So when the Lakes Church started 21 years ago, I felt like I was coming home, moving up here. Wyong Road at that time held the Australian record for the most number of roundabouts in a single stretch of road. And that is 20 roundabouts from the freeway to Shelly Beach. So Wayne and Hayley, every time they went to the freeway, 20 roundabouts. Come back, 20 roundabouts. By halfway through the year, you have to change your tyres around, don't you? Because you're wearing your tyres. and on uh, Anyway, so I could drive up Wyong Road and proudly point out to my kids my work. Look, kids, there is my legacy. <clears throat> Look at the roundabouts I made. Now, the problem is, some people hate roundabouts. (laughs) What is is wrong with these people? So, over the last decade, they've been systematically replacing my roundabouts with traffic lights and orderly kind of what you can do, what you can't do. Uh, You lose that sense of adventure. (laughs) And where is the legacy that I can pass on to my kids? Now, I want to be truthful. I never imagined that roundabouts would be my lasting legacy. Uh, I got annoyed pretty quickly myself. Uh, But what what will be my lasting legacy? What will be your lasting legacy that you will pass on to your kids? So I want to say to you this morning, and this passage from God's Word, that there is a legacy... Uh, There is a difference that you can make in your kids' lives that will last forever, that will last into eternity, that will not become obsolete or replaced or despised with the course of time. And this is not just for dads, right? This This is a great moment in your life to actually go, I can do something now that will make an eternal difference. Isn't that what you want in life? to actually make a difference, a real, lasting difference. And so what we're going to hear is that there are things each one of us can do today that will echo into eternity, that will be remembered forever. Uh, Never forgotten, never replaced. And so we come to this wonderful passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We started looking at this chapter last week. We're going to continue and finish it this week. It's a passage all about... Resurrection. It starts with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago, but it goes on to that last day when Jesus comes again and we will receive our resurrection bodies. And it is a glorious passage. And to fully appreciate, to fully appreciate our resurrection, we need to grapple with some sobering realities to begin with. Some sobering realities of life here and now. So here is my first heading. This perishable body. So have a look at some of the words used to describe life in these bodies we live our lives in. In verse 47, it says we are like Adam. Uh, We are like the first man. Genesis chapter 2, Adam. Created out of the dust of the earth... And he returned to the dust of the earth. Uh, and we are like him in that. Uh, we, we live our lives and then we return to the dust. And so at our funerals, we say ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Formed out of the dust of the earth, we return to the dust of the earth. Verse 53 uses the phrase, the word mortal, to capture the same idea. It's the opposite of immortal, It means our lives are finite. But the most frequently used word is perishable. It's there in verse 42, but it keeps on echoing through the passage that these bodies we live our lives in are perishable. Now, when I use the word perishable, it's almost always to do with groceries that I buy, uh, and they have a best-before date. And you know that after the best before date, you're kind of taking a risk with it. Well, in this passage, Paul, who's writing this letter to the church in Corinth, he uses perishable to describe the bodies we're living in. And it is reality. I I did a graph of your life. This is the average life, and I graphed it out for you. Uh, There it is you're born, you peak, then you taper. Um, Now, I don't want you to take this personally. I don't want you to take this personally. It happens to the best of us. Um, So think about these great tennis players. If you just want to, you know... So have a look at these tennis players. Nadal, Serena Williams, Djokovic, uh, Roger Federer. 20 years ago, these, these, these four superstars were about 20 years old. They were coming into their peak season of life, and they hit number one status. Uh, They've just been the champions of the tennis world for the last 20 years. Uh, And it's quite incredible how long they've stayed at their peak. So for them, that peak has kind of stretched more than for your average. Um, But the decline has begun. Serena's retired I still wouldn't want to, you know, take her on at tennis, but Serena's retired, Federer retired, Nadal has announced he's soon to retire. Only Djokovic presses on, but who knows for how long. We know that he can't stay at the top forever. Um, So we saw at Wimbledon, look at what happened at Wimbledon. Alcaraz came onto the scene, and Alcaraz is hitting his peak, 20 years old, uh, and Nadal is probably just falling off the edge of the peak. Uh, he's on that. But, uh, but we, it's still very tight. So has the crossover happened in at Wimbledon? Alcaraz won. Who knows what's going to happen? They're both still in the US Open at the moment? Yeah, okay. We'll see. But there is a crossover point. And fatherhood is like that. When your kids are born, you're pretty well at your peak. Uh, and... For the first 12 years of our kids' lives, they think we are superheroes. Uh, Haven't you found this? They just think the world of their dad. No one can do anything like dad. By the time they're teenagers and stepping into young adulthood, there is a crossover point that starts to happen. It happens physically. They think it's happened in every aspect of life. Uh, crossover point, and our kids start peaking, we start to decline. It's just life. And that leads us to another one of those words to describe life in these bodies. Uh, And that is, verse 43, dishonour. Now, dishonour is about a bad reputation. And sometimes we deserve it, right? Sometimes we do stuff that earns us a bad reputation. You know, when we're self-centred, greedy, quick to anger, godless. So sometimes we deserve a bad rep, but sometimes it's unfair. Um, And it can happen in a whole lot of ways where we can kind of be cancelled unfairly. And our kids do it to us sometimes too, don't they? Um, Like when our kids start driving all of a sudden they start noticing how we drive. Uh, have, you, have you found this? And then once they start you know, getting better and better, they start criticising our driving, as if there's anything wrong with it. In fact, there can be a season in our lives as parents when it doesn't feel like anything we do meets our kids' approval. Yeah? So we've plummeted from superhero status to uh, can't-do-anything-right status. And finally, verse 43, uh, the passage talks about weakness. Now, uh, for me, all of this has become all the more real in the last few years of my life. Uh, Because a few years ago, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Uh, and I'm kind of sorry to land that on you, but I think this is a great passage uh, to to bring uh, to bring that to you. So about five years ago, I started experiencing symptoms, physiological symptoms, like a, a left side tremor. Uh, I just felt sluggish. I'd kind of be walking along, and my left arm would forget to do you know to do that normal thing that your just body does, and so. For for, an, for a while, me and my doctor thought it was we were just dealing with anxiety, uh, and it was anxiety inducing because I had these physiological things going on. I didn't understand it. My body, I just couldn't rely on my body in the way I used to. But over time, we worked out. No, it was actually Parkinson's disease, uh, early onset, uh, and in the early stages. Now, I want you to know, medication makes a huge difference. Exercise makes a big difference. Uh, I'm I'm pumping iron for the first time in my life. I know it doesn't look like it, uh, but I am. Prayer makes a huge difference. And so I pray to my Heavenly Father uh, on a daily basis, please strengthen me, Uh, please give me wisdom, Uh, and I'd love you to join me in that prayer. So that's why I've been really hanging out, to share it with you To join me in praying Um, but I want you to know also not only does God strengthen me but he gives me joy and he's given me an ongoing capacity to serve him which I'm so thankful for. Uh, The chairman of our admin committee uh, who just prayed for us, Alan, said to me the other day he feels like I'm still at my peak Uh, and I don't feel like it but anyway it's very encouraging to hear uh, and we've certainly pulled off a lot as a church during this, you know, in, in the shadow of this diagnosis, building project, we've moved in, COVID lockdown, short-staffed, we've had this recent growth. Uh, it's been a really lovely time of church life, and I'm loving the blessing of being part of church and, and continuing to lead our church. But, I, but yeah, I, I just know that this will be a shock for many of you. Uh, I wanted to share the news. I've been kind of busting to share the news earlier, but I just kind of looking for the right time. And during COVID lockdown, I just couldn't bear the idea of coming on a screen in your lounge rooms and, and, and you know, coming out with that news. Uh, so I shared it with my family, with some key leaders, with the admin committee and so on, waiting for a good time. And then there is no good time, is there, to share bad news uh, but as I reflected on this passage, I just earlier this week, I just thought, yeah, I, now's the good time. This passage is great context for sharing this. So, there, there it is. And yeah, please, yeah, you know, feel free to come and give me a hug or, you know, but, and pray for me. And uh, yeah, I'd love to be on the journey with you. As we hear the words of this passage, we're reminded that life in these bodies is perishable. And for me, Parkinson's will be part of that journey from here on. But life in these bodies, for all of us, ultimately heading to the same destination. From dust we came, and to dust we will return. But this passage is about a solid, a rock-solid hope in the midst of the griefs of life. Uh, And so, I come to point two, we are sown perishable, raised imperishable. Let's have a look. Sown perishable, raised imperishable. So, look at verse 42. I love this. So, he talks about, you know, seeds that give, you know, that, that create trees and plants and so on. And then he says, verse 42, so will it be... With the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. So the perishable becomes imperishable. The body that is sown in dishonour is raised in glory. The body that is sown in weakness is raised in power and strength. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Verse 49, just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, so we shall bear the, man, the image of the heavenly man, the Lord Jesus. And that is a great hope. We will be transformed. You look at Jesus and you just go, how wonderful is he? And he has been raised from the dead and we will be transformed through his power into his likeness on that last day. And verse 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. So there's the last piece of the puzzle. So there's going to be this transformation that takes place. These perishable bodies are sown, but God raises an imperishable body. So I want you to have a look at, um, I've got a seed here, it's actually a gerbera seed. I've, I've put a photo on the screen. Can you see that? Hardly noticed. But, but um, it's not huge, but it's even I just thought it's even smaller when you have a look at the seed here. They're, they're tiny and insignificant little... You can't even see that, can you? It's just this tiny little seed. It looks dead, lifeless, but bury it in the ground... And God will take that little, small, lifeless-looking seed and create something beautiful. Right there, it is. Um, that is that is like God's vision for resurrection. Now, it seems like the Corinthians had embraced a Greek philosophical understanding of the body. Uh, That is, the Greeks thought that the body was not the real you. The real you was inside the body, but the body itself is not the real you. The real you is your soul. And they they said the body is unnecessary. It's disposable. Their hope was that at death, their soul would be released from the body... Uh, and become like a, a ghost or a spirit floating around. That was the Greek attitude. But God says, no, you are embodied people. Just like Adam, when God breathed his breath into Adam, his body and soul were fused together. And when you put a seed in the ground... It doesn't release a spirit into the air, does it? It is transformed into a beautiful flower. If you don't like gerberas, I brought a gum nut, right? So, see, because you sow a gerbera seed, you don't expect to see a gum tree, do you? You sow a gum nut, you don't expect to produce a gerbera, right? So, there's, there's, what, what there is, is there's, a, there's an intimate connection between the seed, what's sown, this body, and what is produced, but there's a radical, beautiful transformation. And that's how the resurrection works. We will be still... It was still Jesus that bodily rose from the dead, recognizably Jesus, but wonderfully transformed. And when you die and you are buried, the resurrection body you have will still be you, but wonderfully radically transformed in your new body fit for the new creation you will not be a wafting ghost or soul floating around you will be physically embodied glorious humanity and the foundation for our confidence about all of this is jesus christ that's why this chapter begins talking about the death and resurrection of jesus according to the Scriptures, the things Paul preached as of first importance. It's all about Jesus. So Jesus was dishonoured, terribly dishonoured, not because of anything he had done, right? He committed no sin, but evil people hated Jesus and were determined to humiliate him publicly, mercilessly, And they nailed his hands to the cross. And they mocked him. And they wanted to present him as weak. They wanted to see his body return to the dust, just like Adam, to be done away with forever. That was their goal. But God had something much better in mind. God had said that he would send his servant who would be despised and dishonoured. But God said, this is Isaiah 53, 700 years before Jesus. God said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus Christ is our resurrection hope. So Jesus died for our sin and God raised him up again. And look at that. The perishable became imperishable, the mortal, immortal. The one who was dishonoured on the cross is now exalted at God's right hand in glory. The one who died in weakness as he breathed his last breath is now the powerful Lord of all. He is no longer like Adam, he is Jesus Christ the Lord. And we are convinced that Jesus bodily rose again from the dead. So if you read the gospel accounts, Jesus goes about proving it. Right? He says, I'm not a ghost. I'm not a spirit. He, he says, give me something to eat. And he eats. He says, touch me. Feel, feel the scars on my hand where I was nailed to the cross. It really is physically bodily me raised from the dead, but now transformed, glorious, immortal, powerful, never to die again. The only scars Jesus bears from this life are those scars on his hands and his side where he was nailed to the cross. And the reason those scars remain is because they are his glory They will remind us into eternity that this is the one who laid down his life for us, who suffered dishonor and disgrace in our place for our sin. And he rose again, opening up the doorway for us to be forgiven and enter eternal life. As it is for Jesus, so it is for us who believe in him. So I'm going to read from verse 50... Because I noticed when Alan was reading, you weren't calling out amen, right? And this passage demands an amen, right? So hey, this is how it'll work. I'll read a section and then I'll ask the question amen. And you, if, you, if these things resonate in your heart, don't hold back, right? I want to I wanna, you know, transform this into some sort of you know, exuberant gathering, right? So I'll say, do do I hear an amen? And you'll go, amen. All right, that's how we'll work. If these things... Yeah, you can can do a premature amen by all (laughs) means. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash... In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Do I hear an amen? amen. Yes. How good will that be to be like Jesus? Wow. Four, the perishable. Are you ready? There's going to be an amen at the end of this one. The perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Do I hear an amen? Amen. Yes. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We can now mock death. Because he's been stripped of his power. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he give us, gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Not only was Jesus victorious, but he gives us victory over death. What a glorious hope. Now, I want to ask, do you believe this? Are these things that you believe? Now, some of you might, have, might be here and you're not sure what you believe about these things. Uh, and I just want to say, it is great you're here. And we really want you to know and believe and, and trust in these things for yourself. But we can't make you have that journey. You've actually got to choose to go on that journey for yourself of discovery But we want to help you do it, so we run a series called The Life Series. We'll be doing it in the middle of October, on Tuesday nights for five weeks. And we just want to give you the opportunity to wrestle with the life, death and resurrection of Jesus for yourself. Because we're convinced his life, death and resurrection changes everything. And it gives life purpose and hope. And so, this, what, So, come and talk to me, or in the foyer, there are just little postcards, or Brad would love to talk to you about the Life series as well. But, but let me talk about at least one of the things that this means for life here and now. And that is, it gives us this purpose, a divine calling. Look at the third point. The third point is about our calling. That is, that we need to press on in the work of the Lord. Don't be discouraged, don't be put off, don't be weary, press on serving the Lord. Verse 58, therefore my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. He couldn't say it strongly, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Almost everything you do in this life will pass. Right? My roundabouts, as glorious as they once were, now obsolete. Uh, my grandkids probably won't even ever see any of my roundabouts. My great-grandkids won't. Right? Uh, but that's the, that's the same with everything. I, when I was in year six at school, the whole school were gathered around as I competed in high jump. And I was jumping higher than my sixth class teacher. Right? It was just this great moment of glory where you know, you know, everyone else had dropped out of the competition, but there was I. But no one remembers that. I don't even. I don't. Uh, it was a great moment, a high point, but it, it passes. Everything we do in this life will pass, but there is a work that we can do, that you can do now, that will last into eternity, that will make a difference forever. And we're all called on to give ourselves fully to that work, always. And it's all about Jesus. If we can encourage others to follow Jesus, to, to help people start following Jesus, to help people stick at it, following Jesus, if we play a part in someone knowing and trusting and loving Jesus, that is a work that will bring rewards into eternity, that will bear fruit into eternity. That's why I love leading this church, because you pay me to be involved in that great work of proclaiming Christ and and encouraging people to follow him. But it's not just for me... This passage is saying we're all called, right? All of the church are called upon to always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So, um, so I want to have a word to dads. Um, I'm so glad so many of our dads said loving Jesus is my the biggest legacy I want to pass on. And if that is true, dads, I think that is the right legacy to aspire to. But if that is true. Is that what you are modelling to your kids? You've just got to pay attention to what the world values and what is actually going to be of eternal significance. And don't give yourself to what the world values, but give yourself to what will last. And that is modelling to your kids that you love Jesus. Modelling to your kids how important Your relationship with Jesus is, how important your being part of God's family at church is, that you're willing to put other things aside to make sure that the family is here. Use this Father's Day, Dads, to do a stock take, to actually say, Do I love Jesus more than anything? And do I want to pass that on as the legacy, as a lasting legacy to my kids? What will that mean for my life today and from this day forward? I want to finish with my favourite inspirational dad moment. If you've been here for a while, you would have seen this before, but it's worth seeing again. 1992 Olympic Games. Derek Redmond. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Derek Redmond running the race when he tore his hamstring. And he collapsed onto the track in pain. He bravely got up and started kind of limping around the stadium. I think we've got a picture of him limping around. His dad ran onto the track, left the grandstand, ran onto the track to help him. And together, arm in arm, they continued down the home straight. Let's show the next slide there. They continued down the home straight, It's just a beautiful moment. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube it. The officials tried to intervene. This is not right. This is not how the race works. But they totally missed the moment, didn't they? Uh, This is not... So the dad waved them away and together they crossed the finish line. And we don't remember anything else from the Barcelona 1992 Olympics, but that moment, what a priceless moment. Now, to all the dads out there today, here is a picture of being a dad. God has set before us the finish line. That day when Jesus returns and the last trumpet sounds, and we will be transformed into our new bodies. What a day. That's the finish line. Fix our eyes on Jesus and that resurrection day. And press on now in light of that. And we want to, dads, we want to do whatever we can to help our kids press on, to stick at it. Trusting, obeying, loving Jesus because we want, we want them to be there with us on that last day. But I want to say for all of us that what you see on the screen is a picture of my vision of church, right, coming alongside one another as we run the race together. Not, get, not growing weary, not giving up, not becoming discouraged, but encouraging, comforting, urging one another as we struggle through this life, stumble along, because the goal is that we cross that finish line together. And on that day, we'll be changed into the likeness of Jesus. On that day, you will be glorious. We'll look at one another and go, wow, I I know them, but they are glorious, like Jesus. Uh, And together, we'll hear those words from Jesus. Welcome home. How about I lead us in prayer? God, our Father, you know each one of us. You know our weaknesses, you know our sin. The dishonour we don't deserve, you know what's right. But you also know the dishonour that we do deserve because of our sin. Thank you that in your great love for us, you sent your Son to die in our place. The imperishable, immortal, powerful Son of God became perishable, mortal, weak, and died a dishonorable death in our place. But Father, thank you so much that Jesus, that you raised him in victory over death. Please help each one of us to trust Jesus so that his victory becomes ours, so that his resurrection secures our bodily resurrection, and that we are transformed to be like him. Father, please help us now to give ourselves fully to your work, making Jesus known. Please help each one of us to know and love and persevere in Jesus. We pray for our kids as well. Father, we long for our kids to embrace Jesus, to love him. Our great prayer is that many, many, our kids and many others will cross that finish line with us, as we take hold of our new bodies and enjoy life with you and one another forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name and
2: for his glory. Amen. Uh, brother, we would just love to pray for you, share some big stuff. Thanks, right. thanks Brad. So let's do that. That'd be lovely. Uh, our God, our Father, uh, we just want to thank you so much that you've empowered Dave uh, to serve us so faithfully over so many years. Uh, Father, we please pray that uh, that you'll strengthen him uh, to continue on serving, uh, serving us here at the lakes and serving you ultimately. Uh, Father, please keep uh, yeah, these symptoms of Parkinson's uh, away. Uh, just hold them off for as long as possible. And Father, just build Dave up and continue to strengthen him in, in his faith and his hope and his love. And Father, we just pray that we here at the Lakes will also be emboldened to to share your word and to continue in the work of, uh, yeah, in the, the good work that you've laid out for us to do. And we pray that because of this, just uh, there'll be great fruit uh, harvested into eternity. Um, we just pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thanks, brother.